0: Hey, um, I don't don't know if you've been paying attention to the Olympics, and I've seen a few things. I haven't really followed it much this year, but the one thing, one story that I did follow, and it was so funny to me, and it it took place at the very beginning, in fact, before the Olympics actually began, um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but the, uh, you know, every team goes to the Olympics. So they all went to South Korea, and they bring in their entourage, all their people, and they bring in cooks, chefs, to fix their dinners and make sure that they have all the right protein and other stuff that I guess you need. And So uh, the team from Norway brought their chefs, and they got to South Korea, and they had to order some food. And so they put in their order for a bunch of food, and one of the things they ordered was 1,500 eggs. I guess they eat a lot of eggs, because eggs have stuff in it that we need, and uh, that will make you... Uh, better, and so um, they got the eggs, they came, and and they're taking it off the truck, and the eggs just kept coming and kept coming, and what happened was instead of 1,500 eggs, they got (laughs) 15,000 eggs, and I got a picture of it, let's let's show the picture, here, (laughs) this is a real picture, okay, And, and well, you know, the guy wasn't there when, well, maybe he was, I don't know. But it's 15,000 eggs. And what happened was they finally figured out what went wrong. It was a Google translation problem that when, when they translated uh, to wherever, whatever, whatever, the thing it gave the wrong number, and so they ended up with 15,000 eggs. Uh, Norway, I don't think, has won anything because they're just like egged out. Um It it exceeded their expectations when it comes to eggs. Okay, I wanted to get that out early. It'll only go up from here, I promise. One of the problems that happened there, and it happens with us a lot, is things get lost in translation. And here's something that really gets lost a lot. Uh, If you, as a Christ follower want to share your story or your faith with somebody you want to um, tell them about what God has done in your life what you know what Jesus has done to change you and, and and you really are telling them because you want them to experience what you've experienced and this friend or coworker or fellow student whatever comes right back at you with this it's, it's like 15,000 eggs it's like i don't want anything to do with religion Uh, you know, it's a bunch of rules, it's just for weak people, and the church is filled with hypocrites. And you didn't talk about any of that when you gave them what you gave them. You were talking about something that was real to you, a a story of what God has done in your life. And and, and it brings us to this huge problem, and a a religious problem, and it's this, And, and, and write this in your notes, the problem is, Religion versus relationship. We talk about this all the time. Religion versus relationship. This idea that we wanted to talk about a relationship with God has turned into something that is now religion. It's lost in translation. People can't hear you because of what they think. This happened a lot. Um, in fact, it's happened a lot in history that that uh, Jesus had this... In fact, I think, I think this may have been his biggest issue on earth. Um, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's three chapters, it's the greatest sermon that was ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon... Jesus tries to address this religion with relationship issue. Um, five times in chapter 5, it, it uses these words, depending on your what translation you're reading, but the, the words go like this. You have heard it said, and then you can fill in the blank, and then Jesus is over here, he goes, but I say unto you. When he says, you have heard it said, he's talking about, religion but then Jesus says but I say unto you he's talking about relationship for instance he says you have heard it said uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth in other words vengeance but I say to you if somebody does something evil to you or wrong to you don't don't try to get them back but just be humble and and try to love them you have heard it said thou shalt not kill I say to you, if if um, you have anger and bitterness and resentment, you're as guilty as the person who commits murder. You see, God's trying to get people to unlearn religion so that they can learn about a relationship. This was this was so poignant to to me this past summer. Our whole family had the, this incredible blessing to be able to go to Israel together and. Um, we, we all got to go to, I mean, some amazing sites in the Holy Land. And the last five or six days of the trip, we were in Jerusalem and we were staying at this incredible hotel called the uh, Citadel David Hotel. Beautiful hotel, high rise deal. And um, it was so awesome and, and just top of the line. In fact, when we were there, uh, Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, was there with about 60. Uh, Hall of Fame football players, and so it, it was kind of fun, you know, having breakfast and seeing all these people and getting to say hi and everything, but on Saturday morning of this trip, something happened, and it was so frustrating to me. I got up really early, which I typically do anyway, and I decided to get down and catch an early breakfast and, you know, do a little work, and I pushed the button on the elevator, and the light came on, but there was no elevator. Kind of like the car out in the parking lot. It's, it's on, but nobody's there. You know what I mean? And, and I'm just waiting on the elevator. And I, was, I would have walked down, but we were like way up there. It would have taken forever. And I thought, well, okay, I'll just wait. And, and you could see the numbers on the elevator, and it's going like this. Well, I got on the elevator. Finally, I got there. I got on the elevator, and it kept going up. And every floor, it would stop, doors would open, nobody's there, doors close. same thing. Then we started on the way down. Every floor. Stop, doors open, nobody's there. It was like 5.30 in the morning. Nobody's there, you know, door shut, next floor. What it was, was this. It was Sabbath in Jerusalem. And one of the laws, you know, the... the, the there was a. There's the Old Testament, the five books, first books, five first books of the Bible, of Pentateuch. It's it's kind of what all the Jewish law was based on, and then the the um, Jewish folks added another 613 laws to that one, and even today they keep doing different things and changing the rules and everything. Well, one of the rules is that a, a devout Jew cannot touch an electric button on the Sabbath, and so all the elevators are rigged so that you don't have to touch a button. But what you do have to do, it's like somebody got in and just lit up all the lights. You, know. you have to go up every floor and down every floor. And, but the cool thing is you don't have to touch a button. I was thinking, you have heard it said, you should not touch a button. But I say unto you, and I can't say what I said because it really wasn't <laughs> godly. Um, the entire sermon that Jesus preached, the Sermon on the Mount, was about this very thing. It was trying to get people to unlearn religion. Every big task that he had in trying to get people to understand what was going on was the shift from religion to relationship. And you know what I find interesting today is I don't think it has changed that much. I I think that that we still struggle today with this whole idea of religion and relationship. And while maybe today, you know, you're just getting over the blizzard we had last night, and you know, you're thinking about other things, and this may not mean very much to you right now, but I guarantee you it means a lot to a lot of people. Last week... Yeah, you know, we get these prayer cards in from you guys, and, and we pray for, for every person that fills these cards out. And I was looking at one, and I was just you know going through and I'm praying for people, and I see this card, and it broke my heart, and I'm not going to obviously divulge personal information here, but on this card, somebody wrote these words: "God, please stop the pain. I need forgiveness for my mistakes." and my past. And my heart breaks when I read something like that because I understand where that comes from. I I get it. And I will tell you this, if you're here and you wrote this last week, um, don't feel like you're the only one because almost everybody in the room has had that feeling at some time or another. Me included in a big way. How could you ever forgive me for these things in my life? How could you ever... Things that you don't want anybody else to know. And religion is what locks us in on this. Jesus said, or this this was said about Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Well, who was doing the harassing? Who, the, the person that wrote this card last week, who, that's harassment. Who is doing that? And I'll tell you who it is or what it is. It's religion. It's, it's, it's religious people. It's religious structures. And, and so when you try to tell somebody about Jesus, they don't hear about Jesus. All they think about is the church and the condemnation or all the stuff that goes with it. We have to unlearn this stuff. Now, the goal of Jesus in this in, in this sermon and in our lives is this. He wants to move us. You can write this down. He wants to move us from information to transformation. We've talked about this often. Jesus is saying this. Religion is killing us. It's killing people. It helps no one. You are deluged in, by information, and you are starved of transformation. So today, I want to take just one item out of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the big one. It's the big thing that everybody knows, whether you've been in church or not. It's found in the first verse of chapter 7, and it goes like this. Do not judge. Now, how many of you have heard that before? Not in church. I mean, a lot of people have said to you, said to me, do not judge, don't judge. And, and don't condemn and don't, you know, you can go on CNN and watch the news and, and somebody in you know, a self-righteous way says, well, don't judge me. And, you know, we don't like to be judged, do we? We don't like to feel the condemnation. So let me read this and I want you to, I want you to think through this. Jesus said, do not judge. And he's talking to us or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. From your brother's eye. Now, I'm going to do something today. uh, Talking about Olympics, Uh, I'm going to use this uh, example. I have actually two goals here. First, to help you unlearn religion. And second, to live through this experience. That's my goals. Um, Okay, so, let's just say this is a high jump. It is. I, I created I made it. It's um, about six inches short of the world record. In 1993, this guy jumped eight feet and just a little hair under a half inch. And he made it. Can you imagine? And I was going to demonstrate that for you today, but there's just not enough runway here. I, I, I would do it. But I'm, going to, I'm close to, what, seven and a half feet here. This is going to represent the bar of righteousness. This is where we're supposed to be. This is the plan. This is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is where our life needs to be. And when you look at this, you think, there is no way I can get over this. And you'd be right. So, here's what the Pharisees did. The, 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 the Religion, I should say. Here's what, here's what they did. Here's what happened. They decided to take this and to franchise it, to make it their own. And they said, hey, let's do this. Let's move it up here. If you think the first thing was bad, take a look at this. And then they created all this stuff. The difference between where the bar was and where it is today is religion. It's a bunch of rules and regulations and messes that that there's there's no way anybody could do this. You know, just if you think through all the rules in, in the first five books of the Bible and the and and, and then all the six hundred and thirteen rules that have been added and all the variations that have come after that, you can't even remember half the rules but this is what religion does religion destroys relationship it makes life with Jesus impossible it is just you can't you can't imagine what's going on here and and so Jesus says this he goes woe to you you pharisees and, and teachers of the law and and and, and liars and pretenders You strain everything that you drink so you can keep a gnat out of your drink. And you turn around and swallow a camel. Now, something to think about here is that they couldn't keep it either. They they, limboed under it but they made up so many things and they harassed the people so much that people thought that was the bar they assumed that the religious people were doing the stuff or at least you know pretending like they were and it just put god completely out of reach you know you want to know what makes god angry some of you think today it's you some of you think that god gets angry at you and and, and oh man the guilt from things in your past or the guilt from things that are harassing you in your life right now you you just you feel so disqualified and you can't even be in the race you're you're just you you know this person that wrote this this uh, prayer request last week i feel that pain and i believe that they're being harassed because they don't know the love of jesus christ they don't know who he is because they've got all this religious baggage that's keeping them from what they, what they would experience as a relationship of love with Jesus Christ. By the way, this isn't an original thought with me, this whole thing. I, I was going to pretend like it was, and then I realized, gosh, you could Google this, and then I would look like a liar, which I would be. And um, so I stole it from another church, and I feel like that's a lot godlier than lying about it, okay? Okay. Um, what makes God angry and really you could put Jesus in there? Because Jesus said, if you want to know how God is and who he is, look at me. So what makes Jesus angry? It's when people use the law of God to discount people made in the image of God. Let me, let me say that again. This makes Jesus angry when people use the law of God to discount people made in the image of God. You know, the Pharisees were so busy counting how many steps people take on a Sabbath. Or in my case, how long does it take you to get downstairs to get breakfast? You've got to have it all right. They, they count all these things and they discount people who've been made in God's image. So it's no wonder when we talk to people today about Jesus or we share our story, and some of you are on the other side of this where somebody's been sharing a story with you and you, you've just got all this baggage about church. And so, what does what does the world do today? One of the first notes in your thing there, if you're writing, is the Pharisees raise the bar, and what I mean by Pharisees, religion. It raises the bar and condemns. They, They raise the bar, and you're condemned. Well, the world, which is really culture, it says we don't even need a bar. There's no bar. We can live the way we want. In fact, leave me alone. I want to be free. I want to live the way I want. So culture removes the bar and condones. That's exactly what happens. And so we think, well, we can just throw away the bar. We can throw away the standard and we're okay. And in fact, let me be free. Let me, let me live my life in freedom. problem is that we're not free. We actually leave one set of rules in slavery and we become enslaved to another set of rules that are governed by nature and sin and Satan. And, and you think you're free, but you're a slave to destruction. Some of the things that you lose are destiny. You know, everybody's been, been created with a plan and a purpose and something that God wants to do in their life he wants to he wants to give you life and, and 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 see some wonderful things happen you lose that here's something else you lose you lose hope it's one of the worst things in the world to to live without hope to to to, to be hopeless to, to there's no light at the end of the tunnel because you don't have you don't have the relationship with the giver of life and I didn't say religion I'm talking about relationship it's the worst thing in the world uh, to 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 live with guilt and and junk, and, and, and to see no, no beauty in your future. That life is all dependent upon you and who you are, and what you can do, and in the end you die. I mean, I, I just got to share with you if, if you, if you've removed the bar in your life, that's not good. And you're not free, you're enslaved. In fact, this was the original purpose of Satan trying to rule the earth was to have you enslaved in sin. The church turns around and enslaves you in religion. And, but the, the world removes the bar and condones. So, that brings us back to where we started. Jesus does something different. He lifts you over the bar and transforms your life. He lifts you over the bar and transforms your life. In John 3, 16, this is a very well-known verse. It says, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Now listen to what He says. We miss this. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. If you felt condemnation from church in in your walk, in your spiritual walk, that is not from God. If you felt condemned, actually, even before you were a believer, if, if any religious people made you feel condemned, that was not Jesus. Because God sent His Son to save the world. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. It didn't say whoever gets over the bar, whoever is perfect, whoever lives a sinless life, but it just says whoever believes is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. He goes on, he says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. If you choose not to believe, you condemn yourself. I want to come back to this judge not thing, and I want to finish with this today because it's just one major point in this passage, in this sermon, uh, that, that we need to unlearn. And this is for believers, it's for non-believers. What I'm going to share with you here is for all of us so that we really understand. This is, this is a concern of mine, and it's a concern of abuse, because sometimes... We know that we can't get over the bar. We know that Jesus lifts us over. We know that He doesn't condemn us. And so we use that as a, as a way just to live our life any way that we want. And that never works. That is not the point of all of this. We want a version of religion that allows us to live any way we want and say, I'm sorry, and then just move on and keep on living that way. We want a faith And this is where I'm headed with this. We want a faith that makes us accountable for how we treat God, but not accountable for how we treat others. We want to live so that we can get in, but we don't want to change a whole lot. And sometimes I think when the world looks at us and we're trying to tell our story, they they may be looking at us and saying, oh hey, I've been watching and I'm not really impressed. Religion is an attempt to value God, but ignore what God values, or should I say, who God values. That's what religion is. So there are two words that I want to share with you today. They're pretty important. And actually, they're the key to everything here. The first word is humility. The role of the church, listen to this. This is so important. I've taught you this before, but I want you to get it again. The role of the church is not to judge the world. That's not our role. The role of the church is to introduce the world to Jesus. Let me share with you a passage that's out, it's actually the third verse of this great sermon that Jesus gave. He says, Those people who know they have great spiritual needs are happy because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. How are you doing with that? Do you recognize your great spiritual need? Do you recognize how desperate you are for spiritual help from God? When I think about this, what i tell myself and what i truly believe is i'm no better than the drug addict i am no better than the prostitute i am no better than the atheist i am no better than the homosexual i am no better than the muslim i'm desperate for jesus but we get we get a little attitude sometimes don't we i'm better i'm ahead I know more. That's called information. It's called religion. Jesus said, You're, you, you inherit the kingdom by recognizing how spiritually desperate you are. And we're not better than these people. Yeah, we, our, our, our lives are blessed more because we're not indulging in things, but what about the things that nobody knows about us? We're guilty. Jesus said, You've heard it said, but I say unto you. So the first place we start is humility. You can't you can't love people and reach people if you think you're better. You can't you can't tell them about Jesus if you think that their way stinks and they stink and you know just goes on from there. And you've got to be flexible, you've got to be loving, you've got to be warm. You, here's the second word. You have to honor them. You have to honor them. You know, Jesus died for everyone. You can't afford to dishonor those that He honors. In Mark chapter six, this is, this is so amazing to me, and, and I want you to get this because this could unleash some spiritual power in your life that you may not be aware of. You know, Jesus, in, in, to give you some context to this this part of Mark 6 here, Jesus is walking around everywhere and He's doing healings and and raising people from the dead. Uh, He even prayed for uh, Peter's mother-in-law and she got healed. And, And scholars are saying now that's probably why Peter denied Jesus three times later on. I don't know. Come on. It's better than the egg thing. Um... But here's what Jesus said, and boy, is this, this hit me. Jesus told them in, in chapter, four, or chapter 6, verse 4, a prophet is honored, get the word, honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. You see what? What I just read there, a lack of honor wipes out the ability for God to do what He does. It stops the work of Jesus in the lives of people. When we dishonor people, we just take a territory and say, God can't work there. Jesus can't heal there. And so, when I read this, I have to ask myself the question, where am I being dishonorable? What part of me is dishonoring anyone. Is there anybody that I think is, is not as good as me? And frankly, every now and then, I'd have to raise my hand and say, oh man, I've been, been dishonorable. I'm not talking about respect here. You see, respect is earned. Honor is to be given. Jesus, God showed honor to you and to me by giving His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. We read that earlier. You talk about honor. He's honored us so much and esteemed us so much. And a lack of honor stops the miraculous work of Christ in our lives. Matthew 7 verse 1 says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I want to give you one last thought here and we close this out today. What happens to us when we've walked away from our time with God and we, we, we don't let the Holy Spirit work in us, you know, People in the church tick us off. They do something stupid and we get hurt. Or people at home or people at the job and we just get grumpy and then we get more than grumpy. The Bible teaches us that our spirit becomes a critical spirit. It's, 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 it has to do with relationships. It has to do with people. And your love... For them, your bandwidth to forgive when they mess up something that you had to have this way, when 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 they just upset you, and what happens is we get a critical spirit. We don't want it, we didn't expect it. There are times when the Holy Spirit just come into our lives, and we've we've recognized our hardness and how how we really look and 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 then we get this pompous attitude because we haven't been spending time basking in the Holy Spirit and we got this attitude and it's messing us all up. And the next thing you know, we're critical. And I want you to write this in there. A critical spirit comes from this. You become deaf to God and blind to yourself. A critical spirit comes when you are deaf to God and blind to who you really are. So Jesus says in Matthew 7, and everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And that sums up all the law. It's no longer about law. Jesus is giving us a boost over the bar. He says, all you have to do is believe. And as you, as you begin to love, as you begin to accept and honor others, and you let people off the hook and you see, you spend time hearing from God, and you look at yourself rightly, this whole religion thing of judgment goes away. Again, the church is not to judge people, the church is to love people. Judgment belongs to God. That's His job. And He loves them. God loves those people that you struggle with as much as He loves you. I, I think we need to unlearn judging and learn loving. Because if we don't kill a critical spirit, well, that kills everything. I want us to be a church of humility and a church of honor. I want us to be a church that sees us for who we really are. We see ourselves for who we are. We're just sinners saved by the grace of God. We are so blessed to have this message. There is nothing that we could do to get over the bar. Nothing. Nothing. Except believe in Jesus who gave His life for us. We understand that. We understand how weak we are. We understand we're not better than any other person on the planet in terms of our heart. And then we begin to honor people. Because God loves them. And He has declared them worthy of honor. We do that, the translation might get cleaned up. People may actually hear the message. I want to close with this thought here today in this this that some of you could have written this card last week and you just never thought about it. You know, it would would be your prayer. And I think you're frankly just struggling with a translation, a wrong translation. I think Satan and religion is harassing you and God wants to give you a life. He wants to set you free. You know, right here on the wall, it says something we want for you. We want you to find freedom. Sometimes that freedom is from religion. It's from the Pharisee that leads the church in many many cases. And I want you to be free. The only time you should think about the past and what you did is to thank Jesus that you're over it and you've been forgiven and released. And actually that past will become dynamite in the lives of others as you share your story And they realize they can be free from the messes they've created. But you need that freedom today.